be seated. All right. How many of you guys want to do that for a little while longer? <laughs> yeah, me too. We'll get back to that in a little bit here. But. Hi, my name is Eric. Uh, just by a show of hands, how many even recognize who I am? Okay, a few, a few. Okay. So just by way of introduction, uh, my name is Eric. Uh, I am the college pastor here at Lake Avenue Church. Uh, I'm also a member of the Warehouse Core team. Um, so that's kind of a, 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 a spiritual body here over the warehouse community. And uh, I get the uh, pleasure of uh, bringing the message with you tonight. And, uh, I'm from the Seattle area. I'm a Seattle sports fan. Yeah. So, oh, who's that? <laughs> Do I have a fellow Seattle sports fan back there? Oh, gee. Okay, you, you, and I, you and I need to talk later. Yeah. So uh, when they ask the question, you know, are you a Trojan fan or are you a UCLA fan? Uh, I am... Kind of a USC fan by virtue of marriage. Uh, my wife's family is all Trojans. But if I were to answer that question, I would be uh, University of Washington. That's my alma mater, the Huskies. Okay. Now, now if you follow sports at all, um, and we'll get to talk about Jesus here in a second, but if, if, we, if, we're, <laughs> if we're talking about you know, UW sports here, the football team was the first team in Pac-10 history to go 0-12 in a season, to lose all their Pac-10 teams, all the Pac-10 games. So... Uh, so uh, that's just a little bit about who I am and what I'm going through this holiday season. Uh, so tonight is uh, we're going to start. We have the third week of the Advent uh, calendar, which is the is angels and shepherds, and we're going to go to uh, to Matthew. So if you have your Bibles tonight, grab your Bible. Uh, we're going to go to Matthew one, starting in verse 18 through 25, and we're going to talk about the the birth narrative in uh, in Matthew. We're going to look at the story of Joseph and the birth of Jesus, and, and see, you know, what maybe the, the pastor should be saying tonight, what, what God might be speaking to us, and, and uh, I, I think he's got something to share for us tonight. So, if you are there, you are there before me. All right. Now, starting in verse 18, it says, This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together... She was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we just uh, just pray as we go through this uh, this story, God, and and understand the magnitude of, of what it meant for, for Jesus to be our Emmanuel, to be God with us, for Jesus to, to bring salvation of Yahweh to, to this earth, Lord, for us to be redeemed through the Christ child, Jesus. Lord, I just pray that you would go forth with your word tonight, Lord. Be with my words. Uh, be with the hearts here tonight. Help us to, to gain insight, Lord, into who you are through looking at this passage, Lord. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I mentioned before, uh, from the Seattle area, my wife and I, are, are both from there. Uh, we've been married for about seven and a half years or so, so we're we're getting ready to go on the, you know the, the 
the circuit, you know, tell people how to do it. You know, give, give the marriage seminars and everything like that. But uh, no, we're, we're, still, we're, still, we're still in the, the half years, I guess. So we can say seven and a half. We're young enough to where we can still include half years. But uh, we grew up in Seattle, and, you know, we kind of, when we first got married, we were pretty typical. You know, we both had jobs. You know, we had our, our little one-bedroom apartment, and, uh, you know, we had all the little things. You know, we, we got together with our friends. Um, I was, uh, you know, leading, led various uh, college ministries through that time. And I, w- I would say generally, you know, we had what we thought was a really good life. You know, we, had, we were very content. Um, you know, we were, we were doing ministry, which we knew God had called um, both of us to do. You know, we had a, a pretty comfortable life. You know, we really weren't really in want for anything. Um, we, could, we could do kind of, you know, whatever we felt like we needed, wanted to do. We had, you know, friends to hang out with. And then about four years ago, we got what I would call a godly discontent. We got a little stirring kind of in our souls. You know, we just, we just got kind of that nudge where there was something that just wasn't quite right. There's something that just wasn't quite happening. You know, we, we, uh, we were, we were, we, and we both felt it. We both, we both knew it. We, we, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't any kind of surprise. We, when we came together and started, you know, started actually kind of talking about it, you know, we, we, it wasn't any surprise to either one of us what we were going through. And we just felt like, you know, God wanted to do a change in us. God wanted to, to stretch us. God wanted to grow us. God wanted to send us. In, in a different direction. And, and we weren't really sure, you know, what that was all about. We weren't really sure what, what it was that God would be calling us to. So we actually took some time, took about a month, where we, uh, we didn't want to necessarily, like, influence each other. We didn't want to necessarily, like, oh, I feel like God's telling me this, so you feel that God's calling the same thing. We actually took some time, um, not that we just stayed apart from each other, but just in our prayer time, prayed individually about what was going to happen. And we both really felt uh, a calling from God to come down to California and for me to go full-time to, to Fuller Seminary and to, for me to pursue uh, my Master's of Divinity down here. And at that time, I, I was, remember thinking to myself, I'm like, what? Really? That's what you're calling me to do? I've got a full-time job. You know, I'm secure. You know, I don't have to worry about anything. I, I, you know, my, my job might not have been, you know, might have been the best job, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty, you know, pretty secure in, in, in what I'm doing. We've got a great life. And you want me to quit my job? And you want me to move down to, to L.A.? You know, I, I thought L.A. was like this you know, big, sprawling urban jungle. You know, and there was just concrete everywhere. You know, instead of the, the mountains and the lakes and stuff like that I was used to, you know, it was just going to be like you know, concrete structures everywhere. So, but, but slowly, as we, as we prayed about it, you know, God was calling me to it. But I knew that this was a calling that was bigger than me. I knew this was a calling and nudging that God was calling me to that was something that I didn't think I could do. I knew it was something that God was doing to get me outside of my comfort zone, get us outside of our comfort zone. You know, God was calling to stretch us to something beyond who I was. So, so my, my thought tonight is, you know, what happens you know, when God calls us to something that is beyond us? You know, what happens when God calls us to something that's outside of our, our comfort zone? What, ta- you know, what happens when God calls us to, to stretch us beyond who we think we are and who we think we can be? So tonight as we look at the birth narrative, and we're going to look at the, the story of Jesus, and, and the story of Jesus is obviously pivotal in human history. I, I, we, don't, we don't necessarily need to... Uh, there's nothing I can say that can make it more pivotal, can make it more uh, instrumental in, in, in all of our lives and in the course of human history. But tonight as we look at the birth narrative, I want to just... Uh, look at the story of Joseph and how he was called to do something that was incredibly difficult. 
He was called to do something that was beyond him. He was called to do something that, that he probably didn't think he could do. He was called to do something great for, for God's kingdom. So if we go back to the story, just to, just to kind of go back to the narrative story here, we can see that the storyline comes like this. You know, Mary and Joseph are pledged to be married, but before they come together, she was found to be the child of the Holy Spirit. So let's just stop there. So Joseph finds out that the, the person that he is pledged to be married is not only pregnant, but she's telling him that it's of the Holy Spirit. So to, then next, because Joseph, uh, her husband, was a righteous man, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace, so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So he was going to divorce her quietly, um, you know, not make a big public spectacle out of it. But then, after he considered this, an angel Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. So he takes her home, or the, the angel Lord tells him, confirms what Mary had said to him, says that she will give birth to a son, and that she are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And then, after all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And then when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel told him, and he took Mary home as his wife. So that's, that's the basic storyline. So when I, was kind of, when I was contemplating this, this story, you know, I think a lot of times we, we, we kind of take this story a little bit for granted, if I can say that. You know, we, we, on a certain level, we think, well, of course Joseph did it. Of course Joseph took Mary as his wife. Of course he you know, named him Jesus. Of course he, he followed what the, the angel had told him. You know, it was Jesus. You know, who, wouldn't, who wouldn't have taken Jesus? Who wouldn't take the opportunity to be the earthly father of Jesus? But I think it really denies the, the difficulty that Joseph would have experienced in, in doing what he was asked to do. Now, I mean, I don't know about you, how many of you guys have angels, you know, angel of the Lord coming to you in your dreams. It doesn't happen to me very often. But, you know, this would have been something that would have been very difficult for, for him to do. Thank you very much. So much singing. Oh. You know, this would have been something that would have been bigger than Joseph would have thought that he could do or who he thought he was. And then there's a couple of points that we can pull out of this scripture that really help us to see that. Now, one of the things that, one of the points out here that shows how difficult it was is to stay with Mary meant that he had to break from Jewish law. To stay with Mary meant that he had to break with what he thought was the righteous thing to do. Now, Joseph and Mary were engaged, so... How many of you guys know that engagement back then was a little bit different than it is now? Okay, so now marriage today is, you know, I've got my ring, uh, I've got my, you know, beautiful locale, you know, I, I lure my unsuspecting uh, girlfriend to this beautiful locale, I, I get down on one knee and I say, you know, will you marry me? And then we start the planning and we, we have a, get a church and all that kind of fun stuff. But engagement back then was, was a much different proposition. Engagement was more of a contract. You know, engagement, especially in, in, in these types of circumstances, most likely it was, it, was a, it was a younger girl. And so what happened is you would, uh, you would have, get two witnesses together and you would have a, a, a binding contract saying that you, were, that you were going to be marrying that other person. And then about a year later you would have a ceremony in front of everybody and, and then you officially be married. So in that, there were some things that were similar and some things that were different now. So one of the things is that if you had sex outside of marriage, uh, obviously you weren't married, but I mean, if you had sex outside of your engagement, I should say, um, that was considered adultery. That was still considered adultery. You know, if, uh, if the man died during the engagement, 
then um, the, the fiancé would be considered a widow and would have received all the protections that, that widows were, were afforded during that time. And, but also, it, it would be similar to our engagements now. They were not able to have you know, union with each other at all. And, and also, the girl would not come to live with the man, but they would, she would stay in her family home, and he would stay, obviously, in his home, and they wouldn't come together until that. So, you know, when saying that J- Joseph was being righteous, it's not necessarily saying that, just, you know, that Joseph was a good guy because he wanted to do it quietly. And that's, that's what makes Joseph righteous. But it could also mean that Joseph was being righteous in that he was seeking the divorce, that he wanted to maintain the law. He wanted to, to say, I'm, I'm, I'm righteous. You, know, you, you have you know, a baby outside of our marriage. You know, I'll, I'll be nice and, and, and do it quietly. But you know, we need to do this. We need to get a divorce. And Joseph was, was loyal to the law in, in needing to divorce her. And, you know, so for Joseph to make the decision to still take Mary home as his wife, he really had to break free from that Jewish tradition. He had to break free from the Jewish law and probably receive, you know, ridicule himself. You know, if, if, if people were kind of snickering that, you know, that Mary was a child with the Holy Spirit, you know, what were they saying about Joseph? You know, if he was taking this, this person to be his wife, who was either A, you know, secretly carrying his baby or be carrying someone else's. He would have experienced ridicule by staying with Mary, and that would have been a difficult thing for, for him to do. Also, Joseph had to, give, um, Joseph had to give up naming rights. Now, back then, naming a child was a really big deal. Naming a child was a really big deal, and a name actually had a lot of significance for, for the person who they were. Um, we can see that with Abraham. Now, if you guys know the stories of Abraham, Abraham was actually born as Abram which means roughly great father. And then once, uh, once God gives Abraham the promise of him being the father of, of, of nations, uh, he's given the name Abraham, which means like father of multitude. So we can even see some cases where, where the name would change in the middle of their life to signify who God was making in there, what, what their life was to, was to be like. We see that with other people like Paul being Saul previously and, and other people in the Bible. And we see that with, with, with Jesus as well is that you know, Jesus here in this passage is given two names. He's given Jesus and he's given Emmanuel. Jesus roughly means God is salvation or, or salvation from Yahweh. And Emmanuel, as we see in the translation in, in this passage, means God is with us. So the significance of Jesus' name was that he was God with us and, and God bringing our salvation. So we can see that naming, you know, a person's name was really important, but also... The, the giving of the name was a really important thing that, that was usually done by the person that was the authority in the house. It was done by the person that was, you know, usually the patriarch of the family had the right to give the name. And what it, what it signified a lot of times was that the, name, um, the, name, uh, the naming of the child means that that child is under that father's authority and is also, uh, is also under the accountability of that father. So mainly, you know, it would be a way of telling the true father, you know, who the, who the true father was. And so we see that by following, this, uh, by following this, that Joseph is really abdicating the, the fatherhood, the parentage of Jesus to God. He's allowing God to name the child. He's giving up, he's forfeiting the right that he would have as a father to, to give that child a name. So we can see that, you know, in listening to the angel of the Lord and agreeing to take Mary as his wife, you know, Joseph is really going out there. He's, he's opening himself to, to, to a, a new way of looking at the law than he had before, and he's opening himself up to, to a reduced role 
of a person that he's ultimately going to be, you know, earthly care for. So with all that Joseph, you know, gave up to give, take Mary as his wife, you know, we know that he gained by, by, giving, uh, by giving Jesus a part of the Davidic line. You know, by, by taking him as adopting him as one of his lines, we see in the genealogy that's before this passage in 1 through 17, that by, Joseph was in the line of David, and that by him taking on... So we understand now that by Joseph making that decision, you know, Jesus became both son of David and son of God. You know, his earthly line was David, and his, his spiritual line was, was, was directly from God. So, you know, if we're going to follow this voice, you know, through difficult times, we've got to understand that there's, you know, there's people in the past that have done that as well. Joseph was called to do something that was beyond himself. Joseph was called to do something that was greater than who he is. Joseph was called to do something that was beyond probably what he thought he could, uh, he could accomplish. So if we're going to follow that voice, even when it's difficult or beyond who we think we are, you know, in the times that, that God is speaking to us, you know, we've got to know that God isn't always going to speak to us in an angelic dream. You know, how many of you guys know that uh, God isn't always going to come down from a thundering voice like the movies tell you he is? You know, if this, isn't, this isn't Bruce Almighty. You know, we're not going to hear God's voice from afar and, and, and he's not going to shoot, you know, filing cabinets at us or anything like that. You know, you know the voice is not always going to come in an angelic dream. So, so what do we do? You know, can we, can we prepare ourselves to, to hear from God, you know, when it isn't a thundering voice? Can, can, we, can we place ourselves in a position to try to, to try to listen to God? You know, I think in the last, last decades, there have been a lot of great inventions. You know, um, a couple of my favorites, I'll, I'll just list out a couple of my favorites. I love my iPod. So I brought it with me so you can see that it is old school. It's not the iTouch or anything like that, but, you know, it's just the regular, regular video one. Now, I find that I... If I'm going to wait in line for anywhere longer than about 10 seconds, I've got to have my iPod with me. You know, if I'm, if I'm going to be, like, you know, hanging out somewhere, like I'm going to get my car washed, and I've got to wait for, you know, 10 or 15 minutes while they run it through and do all the hand washing, I've got to have my iPod. You know, if I'm going to be going anywhere and sitting in any kind of length, I've got to have my iPod. I mean, I'm listening to my music. I'm watching, like, Seinfeld reruns on, on my iPod. You know, I'm listening to podcasts telling me how bad my Seattle sports teams are. You know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, all, I'm constantly with my iPod. If I have, like, you know, t- 10 seconds of downtime or, or dead air, I guess, in my life, you know, if, we're, if, this, if my life is a stage, if I have 10 seconds of dead air, then I've got my iPod with me. You know, and also, one of the things that I've grown to love, um, maybe a little too much, is TiVo. Now, how many of you guys have, have TiVo? Okay, just, just a few. All right. I, I just have to make this confession. I love TiVo, and I don't care who knows it. You know, I <laughs> now, I remember when TiVo was first, uh, was first pitched to me, when I first was deciding whether or not I was going to have TiVo. You know, the, the argument was made that, oh, you'll watch less TV. You'll, you'll watch less TV because you're not going to watch the commercials. So you can take maybe those same two or three you know, shows that you would be watching that one night, and, and, and you, can have, uh, you, know, you can watch it in about two-thirds of the time because you won't be watching the commercials. And uh, somehow, in the midst of not having commercials, uh, I, I've added other TV programs on top of that <laughs> to make up for the lack of commercials. So I'm still watching as much TV as I was before, if not, maybe even a little bit more. But um, just not watching the commercials. And it's gotten so bad that, actually, I, I can't really watch live TV anymore. It's, 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 and you guys, if you guys have TVs, I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. I can't watch live TV anymore. I can't handle commercials. 
It just, they, just, they just drive me crazy. I'll, I'll, I'll pause it for a while and just sit there and then, and then let, it, let it go back. But, you know, we have these things. And, we're, you, know, you know how it is. You know, it's, it's the 21st century. You know, we're on, we're on Facebook, you know, 10 times a day, you know, checking out status messages, you know, getting our little Facebook, you know, writing on people's walls. You know, we've got our, our Blackberries where we've got, you know, I've got my, my, uh, my schedule down to the, you know, the, the 16th of a millisecond. You know, I've got my, my emails coming, my text messages coming. You know, I've got constantly things. I can even put music on my Blackberry if I don't have my iPod with me. You know, we've got our iPhones that, you know, you can do like lightsaber noises with or whatever kind of, you know, applications that you have. And, and I think that, you know, with, with this, We've become a society, and I obviously, from my examples, am a part of that, to where we, we, we are starting to fill up every part of our lives with noise. We're starting to fill up every part of our lives with, with something going on. You know, it's an age of, of instant communication. It's an age of instant entertainment. You know, it's an age of, of in certain ways, instant gratification. You know, we have everything that we want or need at our disposal, but the thought I have tonight is that, you know, are our modern conveniences becoming inconvenient distractions? You know, are our modern day conveniences become inconvenient distractions? Now, when I think about this, I think about a story in, in Elijah that I love. And, and, and if you guys don't know who Elijah was, um, you can find most of his story in, in the latter part of, of First Kings. And uh, Elijah was uh, a prophet of God who, uh, who in... Uh, who went up against an evil uh, king of Israel, King Ahab, and his wife Jezebel, and took on 450 prophets of Baal um, and had a, essentially a contest to see whose God was real, you know, see whose God would bring fire down from heaven. And so Elijah, just one prophet that was still faithful to Yahweh, uh, went against 450 prophets of Baal. And, and he defeats, obviously God proves that, that he is real, but then he is sent running as as Ahab tries to come take his life. And we're going to take a look at a passage here in 1 Kings 19 that, that I think show, you know, shows one of Elijah's encounters with God that I think might have something to say for, for us tonight. So starting in, uh, in verse 9, it says, And the Lord came to him, and the word of the Lord, excuse me, came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood in the mouth of the cave. And we can see the presence of the Lord comes to Elijah. And I think that sometimes, you know, sometimes we're looking for that angelic dream to figure out what it is. You know, sometimes we're looking for that angel of the Lord to come give us a vision while we're sleeping. That's the easy, you know, or I wouldn't say the easy way, but that is a relatively easy way, clear communication from God as to what direction he wants us to go. You know, sometimes we look for God in those thunderous storms. We look for God in the earthquakes. We look for God in the fires. We look for God in the big things, to have this big, booming voice that comes 
But my thought tonight is, what if God's in the whisper? What if God can be found in the whisper too? You know, in this area of, of business and instant entertainment, you know, in this, in this area uh, of instant communication, you know, are we inhibiting the voice of God from speaking to us? Are we keeping the voice of God from clear, communi- communicating something clearly to us? You know, if the voice of God is in the whisper, are we listening? If the voice of God is in, in the whisper, are we listening? You know, if the voice of God is in the whisper, am I tuning my ear to hear what God would say to me, or am I drowning him out with noise? Am I tuning my ear to hear what God would try to say to me, or am I just clearing him out with noise? Am I letting my iPod or my TiVo or my Facebook on my BlackBerry? Am I, am I, am I letting all of this crowd out what God would want to say to me? So what I want to say tonight is that as we, as we continue this Advent season, it's my firm belief that we need to put ourselves in situations to hear from God. You know, sometimes God will speak to us in those visions. Sometimes God will speak to us with a loud voice. Sometimes God will, will make it abundantly clear. Sometimes God will come to us in that way. But a lot of times, God's going to communicate it to us in the whisper. So as the story continues in Matthew with, with, uh, with Joseph, we see that there's three more times that Joseph has visited in a dream and the angel guides the three of them to safety. So my question for us tonight is, if God calls us to an, a difficult task, like Joseph was called, are we going to do it? Are we going to follow him? And are we even going to get to that point if we're just drowning out, drowning out the voice of God with noise? So if you're here tonight, as we close this message, if you're here tonight, you, know, you might find yourself in a couple of different areas. You might say, you know, Eric, I, I, God is calling me to something difficult. God is calling me to something that I don't think I can do. God is calling me to something that I think is beyond me and who I think I am. You know, God is calling me to do something that I, I don't think can be done. I would just uh, tell you to just take heart. Learn from Joseph. Learn from, from other people that have, have gone and been stretched beyond who they were. Let God mold them and, and, just, and just follow that. Be courageous to that. And you might find yourself tonight in another camp. You might say, you know what? I have let the business of life drown out the voice of God. I might not be able to hear when God has something that he wants to say to me. I might not be able to, to put myself in that, in that camp. So I would just encourage us tonight, as we go through this, this holiday season, as we contemplate uh, the birth of Christ and, and what it meant, let's, let's, let's think of Joseph too. Let's think of what the angel was speaking to him. And let's remind ourselves that, that we, need to, we need to be responsive to the voice of God. God sometimes wants to call us to something beyond us to grow us, to shape us to make us better than who we think we can be to the person that he thinks we can be. And sometimes we just need to let all the distractions of life take a breather for a while. Let the noise just fade to black and, and listen for the voice of God. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this message, God. Lord, as we just go into this, uh, this season of Advent, God, we are just so grateful, Father, that you did send your, your son to be God with us that you sent us our Emmanuel to, to be with us and to provide us our salvation. It's just such a pivotal moment in human history, Lord, this, this birth of Jesus. And God, as we, we go through the busyness of, 
of, of presents and, and shopping and families and get-togethers. God, I just pray that you would help us take some time just to relax. Let the noise, let the busyness of this Christmas situation just fade. And spend time listening to your word and what you would speak to us through this time, God. May we celebrate the birth of your son, Lord, just with great enthusiasm and great celebration. Father, I thank you for this message and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.